Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Beautiful day here in sunny, sunny slope. Yes, they named it correctly. It's kind of sunny here. And happy Memorial Day weekend to you and your family. Hope you're enjoying the, the time. You know, it was pretty warm yesterday till the breeze came. And it's nice to see this morning for those of you up in the North Rim of the Grand Canyon that the breeze is gone. Uh, a friend of my son's was there hiking and he was tossing rocks over that were flying back up over his head with the wind right out of the canyon. So it was a little breezy up north yesterday. And, uh, you know, the weather here is not too bad today. Maybe we'll be under 100, but if not, this is the perfect growing season. You know, with these warm days, okay, almost hot days, and a little cooler nights, and extended daylight hours, this is when our plants can grow their best. Or, if you're not taking care of them, if they're a little dry, perhaps they'll do their worst. Whatever your dreams, your nightmares, your ambitions, give us a call. If you have something different, fun you're doing at home, we would love to hear from you. We start off every week with wide open phones. We have the we have the ladies back. We have uh, jeweler Julia and Taylor this weekend. So we got we got the all star cast here, and uh, welcome back to the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. Julia's on the phones and they're not ringing yet. So give her a call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven K K T R. She flew all the way last from New York last night to be here with you this morning. So uh, welcome her to the program. She's just quite uh, quite wonderful, and it's nice to have Taylor back too. Anyway, we could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, um, you know, what to grow, how to grow it, where to grow it. But most importantly, if you're doing something different at home, you have a new idea, suggestion, some other kind of plant you're growing, a way to care for things, perhaps a way to make your garden last longer, different ways and concepts and ideas on how to save and utilize water here in the valley. We're all ears. We're all here to learn together. There are certainly a lot of styles to our landscape from our beautiful Sonoran Desert to a lot of great tropical plants we grow here. Of course, we're known for the five C's. You know, citrus is being one of them. And uh, we can grow, you know, just a variety of uh, tropical plants in this subtropical environment. But being in the subtropics, we, we seem a little more like the desert tropics lately. So that being said, uh, mindful of how we use and manage our water uh, to use it, to, uh, you know, to make our environment more kind, to help uh, not only ourselves, but our fellow man and our fellow little critters living out there in nature. Anyway, uh, we'll get right to the phone. Still have three lines open, the number to call. 602-277-5827 on this beautiful Memorial Day Sunday. Good morning, David, in Queen Creek. Hi, good morning. Hello, Mr. David. Yeah, can you hear me? Very clearly, sir. Oh, fantastic. All right, so I have a question about my uh, grapevine. It's got wonderful grapes on it, but for the last two seasons, I've dealt with what I think is a white fly of some kind that just seems to be really messing with the leaves. And so they're all, yeah, I mean, I've got grapes, but the leaves are all kind of brown and dying. Um, Anyway, I don't know what to do about well, you, it. I've you, tried to you know, normally, normally, normally white flies aren't too big of a problem on grapes. We see more of a problem with skeletonizers, you know, where they go through and eat the leaves, a little tiny black and yellow worm. 
Um, there are some. Little, oh, maybe that's what it is. Well, they're, yeah, they're a lot different, but they're a lot worse than white flies. So what you want, but they're fairly easy to, to go after, and you want to be real proactive and stay after them. The product you use is called BT or Bacillus thuringiensis, and what it is, it's a bacteria spray on the grapes, and it's toxic to the caterpillars, but not to humans. So it's a very safe product to use, and uh, you want to put it on now and probably follow it up in a week or two. And if we have any kind of a rain, stay after it. But, uh, you know, you need to be very proactive and you need to be quick with the draw. It's something I would put on today because the skeletoners can just devour grapevines, you know, in a very short time. Okay, what was the product called? It's called BT, like Brian Thomas. Or Bacillus thuringiensis. Uh, there's, it's mostly, I'd just say, usually BT on the label. It used to say Thuracide. Yeah, I can get that at Lowe's. You or can get it anywhere. You get Ace Hardware. You can get any garden center. Probably grocery stores even have it. Some of them, but it um, it's a very good product. It's a very safe product. It's directed specifically to those caterpillars devouring your grapes, and it's effective and works well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Daisy in the foothills of Apache Junction. And then after that, we've got some other lines. Got one ringing and three that aren't. So give Julia a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Daisy. Hi, good morning. I have several questions, so I hope we have time to answer. Daisy, can um, you turn your radio off in the background because it's bleeding through? Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. It'll just make it make the conversation such so much more pleasant for everyone. Sure. Sure. Ta-da! There it goes. All right. Thank you, Daisy. Okay. Uh huh. All righty. Uh, like maybe three questions. Okay. Well, maybe two. The first <laughs> question is regarding two citrus plants that I bought from uh, Costco last winter. And one is a Buddha hand mm-hmm. uh, orange. The other hand, one is mandarin orange. Both of them are not doing well. Well, a Buddha's hand is a citron, okay? So it, it's usually oh. used for zesting and cutting up and things like that. And it probably oh. is being grown on 11 rootstock. But, you're, you know, when you're starting with those little tiny baby trees, you're starting awfully young. Okay. Well, it's about, like, about three feet tall. Okay. So that's baby tree? Oh, yeah. Oh. No, we, we don't sell a tree that young. You know, we, okay. we basically, the smallest tree we typically sell is a 15-gallon, and it's two years older. Oh, okay. So it's not doing well because, like, um, it has the leaves. Well, at first, it was doing well at first, and then the leaves now has uh, turned brown. Okay. And it's yellow, actually, and it's a white spot on top. Well, the main things for young citrus daisy are, are kind of threefold. Number one, you want to make sure the trunk is wrapped so it's protected from the sun. So the sun doesn't hit the trunk and cook the trunk of the tree. And you can wrap them with cardboard. You can wrap them with a piece of burlap. You can wrap them with a towel, just something like wearing clothes to protect the trunk. Number two is when they're young, they're going to need a regular irrigation program. And for most trees, depending on your soil, uh, it's going to be between once and twice a week on a young tree like that. Oh, yeah, uh, I guess... Okay, uh, but more is not better, and more is worse in the wintertime. First. Uh-huh. Okay. So it but wants now it's get, every other day. That's too often. Oh. Okay, you're going you're gonna to basically, the problem is when you keep things too wet, then they can't get oxygen to the soil. And then we have okay. funguses and other problems. And it's especially bad with citrus in the wintertime. So, okay. you know, this time of year, 
water it fairly heavy. You want to give a young tree, even though it was probably a five-gallon can, you still want to give it about 10 gallons of water, okay? And then you want to go out and check the soil and check the soil in the root ball where the tree came from and in the outside of it. And it should get mm-hmm. dry the top couple inches, and then you water it again. So that's going to be mm-hmm. twice a week, maybe, or maybe once a week, depending on how heavy your soil is. And it varies a lot in, in Apache Junction, so you're just going to have to check the soil. Yeah, it's in the desert, so it's real, real sandy. Okay, well, in the desert, we have all kinds of soils. We all, we all, we all live here in the desert. So basically, okay. if it drains fast, okay, and the water goes away, you might be watering it twice a week. Now, the third thing is it wants fertilizer. It needs to eat, okay? And it's a little baby tree, so it's just like you're nursing a little baby. It has to eat several times a day. So does your baby oh, citrus okay. tree like to eat several times a month. So if mm-hmm. you'll give it a light dose of fertilizer, you know, a minimum of once a month, that'll give it something to grow on. Oh, okay. Okay. So about irrigation, mm-hmm. how wet... Well, 10 gallons of water, okay? So whether you put it on with a hose or you Mm -hmm. put it on with a drip system, it's going to need at least 10 gallons of water when you water it, if it was a little baby Mm -hmm. tree that size, okay? Okay. And as it gets bigger, it'll need more. So the water is going to want to go down right on the root ball because it hasn't grown many roots out yet, and then spread Mm -hmm. away from the tree to an area of about two or three feet should we wet, and down to a depth of about two or three feet. To two or three feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So both of them. The other one, one it, the leaves have brown spot on it. The other one, the leaves just curled up. Well, leaves are going to curl from a little insect called thrip. Uh, normally oh, here wow. on a residential basis, we don't treat thrip because there are great little predators that come along and eat them. There's little lace rings, oh. little green dragonflies, and uh, mm-hmm. there's uh, little pirate bugs that look like a little triangle, and they come and eat them. So there are predators for the thrip, and the problem with spraying to treat thrip is that uh, they have a real fast life cycle, about two weeks, and uh, so mm-hmm. it's really hard to stay ahead of them. But if you let the predators build up, they'll usually do their job. So just leave it alone? Yeah, but because but you have to make sure the water's right, the trunk's wrapped, and it gets fertilizer. And mm-hmm. then it's going to take some time to get big. Okay, so don't spray. No, I would. there's really not a reason to spray it. The problem, if you're going to try and spray and kill thrip, you're going to spray every two weeks all summer long. And there's no reason to do that. The tree will grow out through the thrip. You know, in our commercial citrus or- orchards over in East Mesa, we th- we spray one time a year, and we spray an organic chemical. And the only reason why we spray is to keep the fruit from being scarred. We don't worry about the trees because our natural predators will basically go through and eat the thrip and keep the trees healthy. So we don't really have do to worry spell, about, about How spraying. do you spell drift? No, thrip. It's T-H-R-I-P. That's the name of an insect. And what's kind of nice, Daisy, you can go back, and uh, when the show's over, Julia will unload it all down to a podcast, and you can pull our conversation back up and listen to it as many times as you like. I've got to let you go because we've got to take a break, but thanks for the call today, Daisy. And we'll be right back out of the break with uh, Dolores, Lisa, and then it could be you, the number to call, Julia, 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. See trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. 
Folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning, live here from Sunny Slope, Arizona. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR here on Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we have the ladies with us this morning. We have Julia and Taylor here with the news. Uh, let's see. Next up, Dolores and Mesa. Good morning, Dolores. Good morning. I have a question that I don't know. I uh, have a Brazilian lemon. And a Valenci. They're both about 35 years old. And when I, I, they're do you know, they're both growing. But when I went out, I realized the lemon tree has gone over and gotten in, mixed in with my Valenci. Mm-hmm. Is there any way of saving my Valenci and getting, saving my lemon tree, but, or saving my lemon bush, I should say, <laughs> but. Getting rid of the getting the lemon out of the Valenci. Okay, so wait a minute. So your 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 Valencia orange now has lemon branches coming on it that are they're producing lemons. Yes. Okay. okay. So what's happened? Yeah. What's happened, Dolores, is that those branches that come up, and this isn't where the trees are touching each other. This is just coming off the Valencia orange tree. No, the 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 the. the uh, I know. I realize that the the stalks they're uh-huh. not touching. The, they're not coming out of the the Valenci. Okay. They're, I mean, they're growing right alongside of it. Okay. Just, out of the okay. Well, so what? So what's happened is one of two things, Dolores. It could be that a lemon seed fell down next to your Valencia orange, and actually, mm-hmm. you know, germinated and grew, and uh, or it could be that it's the rootstock coming up off the ground. But in either case, you want to kind of treat it the same way. What you'll want to do is just trace that lemon back down to the ground and cut that portion off, okay, so that it's separate so your Valencia orange doesn't have the lemon growing through it. And the problem being is the lemon's going to grow faster than the Valencia orange is going to grow and will eventually take it over. So just trace it back all the way down to the ground and cut it off. Now, when you do that, if you expose a lot of wood to direct sun because it's shading a lot, uh, you may need to go through and protect some of those branches, either by painting them or wrapping them for a while till they generate new foliage, or you may not, just depending on how it looks after you prune. Okay, then I, I'd have to prune the Valenci too, huh? Well, you, you may need to, you'll, but you'll see. First, just go through and cut all the lemon out of it, okay, and take it all away. 
and and see what you have left in your Valencia. And uh, if the tree looks still pretty balanced, there's no reason to prune it at all. If it needs to be pruned moderately to balance it, that's fine. But this time of year, because, you know, it's hot, you want to be careful not to let the sun come and shine right on the trunk. So if it is coming mm-hmm. and shining on the trunk, either paint it or wrap it, you know, for the rest of the summer until it has a chance to come back and leaf out and protect itself. Do you, do you, uh, if I call your one of your places, mm-hmm. do you think they could give me someone that could help me because I'm old and I'm handicapped? Well, you know, they probably can, Dolores. I would call the store in Gilbert. They won't be open until 10 o'clock. But if you talk to Jennifer or Gabriel or some of their staff there, they can probably give you a recommendation to somebody who works in your neighborhood who can help you. Okay, because I don't want to lose my trees. My husband planted them, and he's been dead for a long time. Well, amazing part about citrus trees, Dolores, they'll outlast us all. They'll live over 100 years, especially if they're on sour orange root stock. So, um, you know, so now would be a good time to go ahead and get that corrected. And I'm sure they can probably help you with a recommendation from the store. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I listen to your show all the time. Well, have a beautiful weekend. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we got, uh, let's see, Lisa in Apache Junction. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Brian. Would you happen to have an emergency room for plants? <laughs> yeah, we call it a greenhouse. And, and actually, and then the shade house. And then, you know, there's a third option. It's the mulch pile. <laughs> well, I looked at one of my deniums this morning, uh-huh. and up at the top, it's leafing out. It even looks like it's going to get a bloom. Right. I mean, otherwise, it's naked. But mm-hmm. part of the base is getting rotted. It, is okay. there any way I, would, I could I would save pull, that? I would pull it out of the pot, okay? I okay. would cut away anything that's affected, okay? Anything that's bushy. Okay. And I would dust it with powdered sulfur. Okay. I would repot it in a very light potting soil that drains well. Okay. And just let it sit dry. And let it sit dry. Okay. For for a week or so. Don't water it at all. Okay. And then come back and water adeniums very sparingly. You know, they're the the easiest plant to overwater. They just love our desert. But uh, if they sit in water, they will rot and die. So to arrest the problem, pull it out, clean it up. Even if you end up almost bare root, cut all the anything off that's affected. Dust it with powdered sulfur. You can buy powdered sulfur at our nursery or any other. And uh, dust it with powdered sulfur. Okay. Works really well for arresting the bacteria. And then let it sit dry for a week. Don't, don't, Put it back in and water it right away. And when you do right. repot it, put it back in a very light, very fast draining soil. I will do that and give it a whirl. And I had called you about that yucca uh, that I had a cutting. It died. Oh, well. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Sometimes it happens. I'll tell you what. There's probably very few listeners that listen to this program has killed as many plants as the host. Um, you know, I've learned finally over years and years to do the jar test, and that's what we call it on a farm. We just mix up one little jar and do one plant instead of trying to do 500. But uh, I've killed a lot of plants. You know, and the thing about it is is that we've brought plants here from different places. You know, there didn't used to be pygmy date pumps here. Some of the very first pygmy dates in the valley we brought from Hawaii back in about 1970. And uh, they were just beautiful, you know. And now there's millions of them. But, uh, you know, unless you try different things, you never know there you go well i just thought i'd let you know that it didn't make it well it happens <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> 
remember, uh, remember, there was, remember there was three options, then it goes to the mulch pile. Right. Yeah, that's always the saddest. Thank you for your help. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Doug and Surprise. But after Doug, we've got wide open phones. We have Julia back here smiling. Give her a call. She's feeling lonely back there in the studio. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. Hey, I think I've heard you talk about this little pesky plant in my lawn before, but anyway, it's a little, uh, it's got about three or four leaves and a little tiny yellow flower on it. Mm-hmm. Is it dying and now so, or is it is it growing now? No, no, it came back. I mean, it's going full blast. And three weeks ago, I detached my yard mm-hmm. and I tore, I thought most of it was gone, but it, you know, I detached it heavy in that area. Okay. It's back now stronger than ever. And, and I overseeded at the same time, but it's back thick as can be. Well, there's, there's two things. There's oxalis and spurge. Usually the oxalis will die with the heat. So let's say it's the smaller of the two, which is spurge. And it loves the summertime here. Now, Bermuda grass will overgrow it. But uh, you, you told me a couple things. Number one, you reseeded, so we can't use a pre-emergent on it now. And it's already got mm-hmm. a ton of seed out there anyway. So what we're going to look at to kill it is I would just leave everything alone for another week or so. And then you can spray if you don't have any trees or shrubs around this portion of the lawn with a product that the main ingredient is 2,4-D, okay? 2,4-D is in a product like Weed Be Gone. It's also, uh, you know, Agent Orange over in uh, Vietnam, since we're talking about the wartime today, Memorial Day. But uh, so, you know, basically 2,4-D is a very selective herbicide that won't hurt your lawn, that will kill the kill the spurge, okay? So you'll want to spray okay, every, You know, I, I looked at some of these different, you know, 2,4-Ds and stuff, mm-hmm. and all of them say don't spray on Bermuda grass when the temperature is going to be over 85 degrees. Well, no, if they're blended with something else. Some of them could have dicamba and they can have other chemicals in them, but straight 2,4-D, you don't want to spray it in the middle of the day when it's hot, like it's over 85 degrees, because it can volatilize, and then it can spread, but this time of year, if you notice that early in the morning we're going to be down in the 70s still, so you can get up early yeah. in the morning and spray it. Now, the other thing is the Bermuda grass will probably choke it out over time through the summer. It's a beauty, as the Bermuda gas gets healthy, it's denser and it's taller, and it will grow right over the top of spurge. So really healthy Bermuda grass will take spurge out all on its own. Okay, but this, this stuff is really thick. I mean, it's like there's nothing else can come up. You know what? Do me a favor eat. because the, the oxalis should be dead already. The one with the yellow flower, you know, it, it yeah. normally dies in the heat. And the best way to kill it is shut the water off, you know, but you're trying to seed new grass, so that makes it a little tougher. Yeah. But if you want to make sure what it is, send us a picture to the website and... Um, and we'll, we'll let you know for sure what it is. In fact, I'll tell you what, just uh, when, when we get off the air, I've got to go to break. we got Taylor here in the studio. Uh, give your number to, to Julia, and I'll give you a call after the program. We'll figure out how to take a look at it with you, okay? Okay, very good. Hold Thank on, you. Doug. And we have the lovely Jill, <laughs> Julia in the studio, and Taylor Kinnerup. She's here with the news. She's going to keep us informed on this Memorial Day weekend. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. The number to call Julia during the break, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Oh, I wish I was.
Folks, this beautiful uh, Sunday morning, Memorial Day weekend. Thanks, Mr. Albus. Uh, hard to beat. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Gary. Oh, no, no, before Gary. We have Susan, then Gary, then Linda. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking me. Good. About four. A pear tree from me. I don't know if you remember. I kind of joked there was no partridge in it. <laughs> this year, I got like three pears about three years ago, and that was it. This year, I think I've got maybe like seven or eight or nine on it now, and they're real tiny. Um, what's the best way to cure for them? Uh, regular fertilizer. So now is a great time to fertilize stone fruits like peaches, apples, plums, and pears before it gets too hot, even though it's 104 or 5, you know, right now. But the night times are cool, so they should still be growing pretty well. You want to feed them with a balanced fertilizer, one that has manganese, magnesium, zinc, all those kind of good miners in it, and especially iron. And, um, you know, with pear trees, if your fertilizer doesn't have much iron, you could buy chelated iron and give them some additional iron, too. They really enjoy it. But you want to feed them right now, and you want to feed them again in August. Okay. Now, would that be the um, the fruit? Uh, fertilizer for citrus trees, or yeah, you would could, it you be? You could use like an organo pro citrus food. That's pretty good because it does have chelated iron in it. Or you could okay. you could use another balanced fertilizer. And if you find the fertilizer you're using doesn't have much iron, if you would buy some chelated iron and give that to the pear trees in addition, it'll be beneficial. Okay. I've got one more quick question. I've got a beautiful garden growing. Got lots of zucchini. Just saw my first um, Armenian cucumber this morning. Is it good to put coffee grounds um, on the soil for that those types of vegetables? Absolutely. Coffee grounds is great for pretty much any plant here. You know, with the pH of our water being over 8 in the summertime, uh, anything we do to reduce the pH is going to you know really help our gardens. Okay. How about chicken manure? Can I throw fresh chicken manure on that? 
fresh chicken, I mean, fresh chicken manure, you want to be careful how much you apply. So, you know, when you buy chicken okay. manure, like at the nursery, it's pelletized or, or, it's, or it's composted. So it's only like 3% nitrogen. If you chase your oh, chicken. Oh, no, these are from my chicken. If you chase your chicken around with a shovel, it's going to come out about 8 or 9% <laughs> nitrogen. So it's while it's really good, you know, you want to be careful. And the other thing is, is if you're putting chicken manure on, you don't really want to put it on plants that are going to come in contact with it. So it's not great to put on watermelons. You know, you'd want to compost it and put it in the ground first because you could be spreading okay. a lot of bacteria. So with raw chicken manure that's uncomposted, uh, you do want to be mindful. You don't want it to come into you know contact with anything you're going to eat. And if for some reason it does, you certainly want to wash them well because it can carry you know bacteria. Okay, perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Have Thank, a great weekend. Thanks, Susan. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Gary in North Phoenix. Good morning, Gary. Hi. Hey, I, we bought a mandevilla plant about three months ago, and then we transplanted on the south side of the house, and it, it was growing really well. But now it appears that uh, a lot of leaves are turning brown. I wonder what I'm doing wrong. Here. Do you have it in the ground or in a container, Gary? In the ground. Okay, so it's going to need more water, and they don't really love real hot heat. Okay, so I would first check, though, and make sure the irrigation cycle's good, and it's getting a good deep yeah. irrigation, minimum of twice a week, and could be even okay. a little more. And then, you know, we were, the other caller asked about the coffee grounds. They would be fantastic yeah. for your mandevilla. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, mandevilla are a beautiful plant that, you know, bloom here very well seasonally. Um, you don't yep. see a lot of old mandevilla here. So they're not the oh. easiest plant to maintain throughout the summer. They can have problems with white flies and different things. But, um, you know, so oh, okay. it's, it's not the easiest plant to keep there forever. But, you know, giving it the good team effort, you know, go ahead and hit it with some coffee grounds. Make sure it's a little bit on the wetter side. Doesn't want to get real dry. And uh, see how she does. Yeah. All right. We'll do that. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gary. Bye-bye. Well, that leaves us with four open lines. Julia back here smiling. Give her a call. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. Give us a call with questions, suggestions, ideas. If you're growing something different, we would love to hear from you. Lots of styles, plenty of things to grow. You know, we are in a place where, uh, you know, from our beautiful desert plants to the succulents to plants that just come from other dry spots to tropicals. We can grow a lot of different variety here and a lot of food, but we just lost Linda, so... <laughs> we'll take our next caller. This is going to be fun. We're going to take you live. Good morning. Welcome to the Whitfield Street Garden Show. Hello. You're live on the air. I, I beat Julia. I was oh. being sneaky. Well, that was <laughs> <laughs> caught, caught me a little unprepared here. Yeah, I knew I could make um, Julia smile, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm Steve from Phoenix, and I was having a great time with your uh, cherry tomatoes, mm-hmm. and so I bought a bunch of them, and everything was going really well. They were growing big and looking great in, in pots. And I went out one morning, and there were a couple of leaves missing on one plant, and I thought, well, that's strange. We must have a three-foot rabbit around here. But uh, I didn't think about it much, and then the next morning I went out, and there were, I mean, it was like something went through and just, trimmed all the plants and they're looking pretty naked and bare and i found what looked like a caterpillar and i have learned that it was a tomato hornworm yes sir um 
I don't know anything about tomato hornworms. Well, they're large and they're green and they love tomatoes, okay? And I'll tell you the other right. the downside to them, Steve, is they don't make very good fish bait either. But you've got right. you've got two op- <laughs> options with tomato hornworms. Either you can go in with your pruners if you can see them and they're usually pretty large and easy to find, and you can clip them in half and let them fall back to the ground and become organic material, or yeah. you could treat it with a little bit of the BT bacillus thuringiensis, and it's basically a bacteria that's very toxic to caterpillars, but safe for human use. And you can spray yeah. that or dust your plants with it, either liquid or powder, either one. And it's very toxic to caterpillars. It'll take them out. Yeah, I didn't have a real problem just pulling them off, or I, in one case, a little little uh, piece of the branch came off, too, which is not any big deal compared to what's already gone. It's nothing. Um, what about the plants themselves? Will they come back? Is there anything I can well, do as for long, them? As, I mean, long as, they haven't, as long as they haven't taken out the growing tips, the top portion of the plant, they'll come back. Well, they and, did. Okay. In many, it, I mean, they took off many tips. Now, whether there's, is there one main tip that well, matters? Well, if, 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 there bu- if there's buds coming out of the top, and the buds should come out of the top oh. within two or three days once the caterpillars are gone, uh, they, should yeah. bounce, they should bounce back out. And in containers, you can move the tomatoes. You know, this time of year, they're okay up against the south side, but if you move them over to the east side of the house, you could probably get another five or six weeks out of your cherry tomatoes, and they'll, they'll come back and bloom and make another crop, or you could forego them till next year. But um, there's still a pretty good opportunity for them to come back, and if they pop new buds out in the next week or two on top, they will come back. Is there anything I can do to encourage that? Well, a light dose of fertilizer and... Uh, you know, just be mindful of the fact they don't have as much foliage on them. Now, the fastest way for fertilizer to work is if you'll use a foliar fertilizer like Miracle Grow or Peter's twenty twenty twenty, and put a light yeah, dose. Do. Put a light dose yeah. right on the foliage. It goes into the plant quick. You know, the days are long. You know, that's why they grow 20-pound heads of squash up in Alaska. But right now, you know, we've got a lot more hours of daylight. So they can come back and, you know, and replenish themselves and and replace that foliage in a pretty short order. Uh Uh-huh. Do they they grow... Just new foliage out of the existing uh, stems, or, well, or do they just kind no, of start out, up out of the stems and out of the buds? Okay, so behind where each leaf was, it's been devoured. There should be another bud, and a lot of uh-huh. those can pop back out, and you can grow new foliage. And like I say, if you don't see new foliage within you know a week or two, it's probably time to you know hunt on tomatoes till fall. I see. Okay, well, I'll give it a try, see what happens. All right, thanks, Stephen. Thank you. Bye bye, uh, Linda and Mesa. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, um, I called a while back. I bought a pistache tree um, at Whitfield's uh, last March, and it really didn't do a whole lot. And then the, the leaves fell off, and you had mentioned to to fertilize it, and I did a couple of months ago. And it came out with a lot of great leaves, but on most branches, there's only leaves on the second half of the little branches. There's nothing on the first. And the leaves have been out for a while and just wondered, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> it sounds like you might have used a herbicide in there to kill some weeds. Um, you know, I, Yeah, I haven't used any. No, her- I, no, her- I don't no herbicides at all? In my backyard. Okay, why, no, not why, at all. Why don't you have weeds? Well, my, my I'm really good with the grass. I, I pick out weeds uh-huh. myself. I'm retired. Okay. Well, that's a good. That's the best way to do them. Um, but yeah, nothing. 
you've got you know you've got some kind of a problem because the bud should be coming out very quickly this time of year at the ends of the branches. Yeah, you know, and if that um, if that's yeah, not have, happening, Linda, where, where are you located? What part of town? I'm in East Mesa around um, Brown and Higley, okay. and I have great leaves for the you know, on the second half of each branch, mm-hmm. but just nothing on coming from the trunk up to the middle part of the little branches. Okay. So, no, that's pretty normal. So the you, so the ends of the branches are healthy. Oh. It's the interior portion yeah. that's Yeah, that's fine. And, and Linda, oh. with the pistachios, we don't want to be too aggressive on the water. Weekly watering is plenty. Okay. And when did you yeah. last fertilize them? Uh, about two months ago. Okay. Go ahead and feed them again one more time right now. And you okay. can use like a citrus food or a balanced fertilizer of any kind, like Miracle Grow or Peters is fine too. A citrus food okay. would be good. Feed it right now. Don't don't give it any more water than once a week. Once a week deep's the maximum. But no, if you've got good foliage okay. on the end, that's pretty much the norm. And and the pistachios okay. kind of take a while to get started, but once they kick in and get happy and they reach their happy point, they'll grow really fast. Now they're going to grow for about the next three or four weeks, and then they're going to stop growing while it's really hot. So you're not going to put any new foliage on after okay. about the fifteenth or twentieth of June. Okay, and then in August, if we get them on soon, and we have an August like last year, and we expect we will because we have Julia here. With Julia here last year, it rained like almost every week through the monsoon season. Right. So as long as we can keep Julia here, maybe we can keep our weather because the summer before <laughs> when it was 115 every every day for the whole month of August, you know, that was hard on man and beast and trees. But, um, oh, yeah. but if we start to get a monsoon, it'll start to put out more growth. And then they'll grow fairly well in the fall and what you'll find with the pistachio trees, the trunk will grow a lot in the fall and then the next spring when it's been then through that that whole year cycle, it'll come out and probably double in size. Okay, great. Um, can I ask one quick question? Sure. On uh, the jacarundo, is that how you say it? Well, tree? you can call it a jacaranda, jacaranda. You call it whatever you like. It oh. doesn't know its name. In Spanish, <laughs> it's a jacaranda. Here, it's a jacaranda. <laughs> mine had looked really great. Then we had that really awful summer mm-hmm. where it was so hot, and I, I lost a couple of big big branches and then last year it looked fine this year it's taking forever because you know they go through the point where it looks like they're dying because they they drop all these twigs and then these little Mm -hmm. i call them these hard little clapper things and um one side of it is starting to get more of the leaves in and the other one just looks so spindly um is there anything i can do to feed this tree fertilize it right now Okay. And the, okay. and the and the jacarandas typically have a terrible spring season. This year we had a roller coaster where it was warm and cool, warm and cool. They couldn't make up their mind what they were doing, you know. Right. But anyway, they will now because it's summertime. So fertilize it now, okay? And if it's a bigger okay. tree, water it once every week, you know, or once every two weeks. It doesn't need to be wet all the time. It's kind of a lot like mm-hmm. the pistachio. It doesn't want to stay wet. Just water deep and let it dry out. And it should put out okay. all kinds of great foliage over the next couple of weeks. And unlike the pistachio, it should you know continue to grow nice new foliage all summer long. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Linda. Have a nice weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break while we're gone. We're going to come back with Guy and Levine. But after Guy, the lines are wide open. The number to call, Julia, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. 
I was just out of the service, thumbing through the classifieds. When the night that said old Chevy somehow caught my eye. The lady didn't know the year, or even if it ran. But I had that thousand dollars in my hand. It was way back in the corner of this old ramshackle barn. Thirty years of dust and dirt on that green army tarp And when I pulled the cover off, it took away my breath What she called a Chevy was a 66 Corvette I felt a little guilty as I counted out the bills What a thrill I got when I sat behind the wheel Opened up the glove box and that's when I found the note. The date was 1966 and this is what he wrote. He said, my name is Private Andrew Malone. And if you're reading this, then I didn't make it home. But for every dream that shattered, another one comes true. This car was once a dream of mine, now it belongs to you. Though you may take her and make her your own, you'll always be riding with Private Malone. Well, welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. I want to take a minute to invite you out to Woodfields. You know, at Woodfields, we grow trees, all kinds, all sizes. If you want to plant a tree in memorial with someone, you know, it's a great way to continue life's thoughts and, and have something to enjoy for a lifetime. From ash trees and pistachio trees and big shade trees to citrus trees to desert trees like ironwoods, mesquites, and palaverdes to beautiful palms. Maybe you want the Bismarcky with the silver top or the mule palm that looks like a coconut. Now, we grow them all right here in Arizona. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. And the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Woodfield Nursery, for four generations, and since my grandpa started it with my grandma back in the 40s, we've been growing trees here for Arizona's future. Okay, back to the phones, and we still have got three lines open. You guys are making Julia work so hard today, but uh, we appreciate all the calls. Get a number to call, 602-277-5827. Guy and Levine, good morning. Uh, yeah, so... Um I live in Levine, and I back up to Carver Mountain, mm-hmm. and uh, our backyard is, um, it actually, there's a, the, the side yard of the house is on the south, and the backyard, there's a portion of the backyard that raises like four feet in the last ten yard, feet of the yard, and that faces west, and we're having a hard time finding plants that will survive the summer heat there, and I was wondering if you have any suggestions for plants that are kind of lush-looking that are real hardy. Okay, this is on the east side of your yard facing the west, right? It's, yes. Okay, so the wall's facing yes. west, and we're planting on the west side of the wall. Yes. 
that's correct. And it's actually like a little hill that mm-hmm. they're being planted in. And it's and rocky and it's got reflected well, heat and it's 150 degrees. Um, exactly. So the easier things there, if we if we keep in mind where hot is hot and uh, where the air is dry, you know, places like Baja, that's why things like Arizona Yellow Bells and Orange Jubilees, Sages, all those will do very well. The hardiest plant of all on the heat like that is Bougainvillea. And uh, while it can be messy, it's awfully pretty. And if you're up there by the hill, you get more wind, and it can blow the you know the bougainvillea flowers to the neighbors. You don't have to get them all yourself. But uh, those varieties will all be very, very hardy. The other option is if you come out further, depending on how deep your yard is, and plant something that's going to shade that area somewhat, um, then you also cool the wall down. But, you know, that little fulcrum you have with that tall wall, you know, making that 90-degree turn in there, it'll easily be 150 degrees there this summer. Yeah, we have a red push pistache, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, it's a good size right now, but it's just not quite big enough to give us the kind of shade we need. Right. It will, though, in time. But, you know, but all the, all those desert tropicals, you know, and that's the sages, the yellow bells, the bougainvilleas, you know, all those plants will withstand tremendous heat. Now, when you're planting them this time of year, you're going to have to give them extra care, um, you know, more watering for the first summer. But once established, and they'll grow, then they'll grow and they'll return that, you know, investment in the water back into covering the wall. And once they cover the wall, it cools everything down. So, you know, they're all going to be, you know, self-serving and helping themselves by breaking up that reflected heat. But until they get large enough to do so, you know, they're going to have to withstand really high temperatures. Yeah, okay. Well, Guy, have fun and good luck. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Let's see. Next up, we've got Henry in Phoenix after Henry Open Lines. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Good morning, Henry. Hey, good morning. Uh, I have um, just a – well, I have a couple of – Small questions. Um, so, I put down a pre-emergent, um, which was uh, Scott's Weed X Prevent with halts, mm-hmm. and I did that early spring. I had a winter grass and um, rye, and uh, now the Bermuda. I don't see the Bermuda coming up, and I'm wondering. You know, did I maybe kill it with this halt stuff? Um, well, I'm not familiar with that exact formulation on that one. A pre-emergent, it, well, a, a true pre-emergent that's only a pre-emergent only kills weed seed. Okay, so if yeah. it's really a pre-emergent, if it's you know that's how it works, it keeps the weed seed from germinating, and that that's how it, you know was effective. Um, it still does affect the cycles on plants, but you know I, I would think if it was made for lawns, it shouldn't harm Bermuda grass. Bermuda grass is usually pretty tough. Was it a new lawn, Henry, or was it an existing lawn? Been there long? No, this uh, this I, I usually never. It's an existing uh, Bermuda grass that I've had for years, and you know this this winter we decided we'd put in a rye. You know, for the winter, and um, I you just know what? Wondered... Hold, hold on, because I've got a hard break here with the news, and I'll give you more information off the air. Okay, okay. Be right back with you. Appreciate all the calls this morning, folks. We do have a couple lines open during the break. The number to call: Julia six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven. And up next, we have Taylor Kinner up with the news. She's going to keep us informed. It's Brian and the ladies this weekend with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from seven to nine on ninety two point three FM KTAR. <laughs> 